I ran everywhere I went. I couldn't understand why adults walked. Running was so much fun. My kids beating the sidewalks, the air rushing past, friends pounding next to me. I could never get enough of the excitement of fast movement. As I remember childhood, I woke up eager to start each day. Every morning I climbed down the ladder from the orange bunk bed I shared with my younger brother Ken. We ran into the kitchen where our mother gave us breakfast, usually bowls of hot oatmeal thick with raisins. Then, no matter the weather, we headed outside. We ran down the front steps of our brown and yellow house into the life of our crowded Irish Catholic neighborhood. At one end of our C-shaped street, Glenrose Road, lay a small park named after John Quincy Adams. The important-sounding name always amused me, and I loved swinging on the monkey bars, but I never could climb the park's trees. The bottom branches swayed just out of reach, and if I scrambled up the trunk, my legs below my shorts would be covered in red welts and scrapes. So until I grew older and taller, I had to settle for squeezing through the neighbor's tight hedges. This technique later proved a good way to get away from the bullies. Routinely, the boys of the neighborhood knocked me down to the hard, gray sidewalks, hit me, straddled me, and hit me some more. It was terrible and terrifying, and it seemed unstoppable. When I told my parents, my father tried to teach me how to fight back. Punch him in the nose, he shouted, demonstrating how a blow to the center of the face would knock my attackers off balance. My father was a big man with heavy fists and a craggy face behind Steve Allen glasses. Trying to help me, he bounced around light on his feet. Like this, he said, socking an imaginary enemy. Hard right. It seemed like practical advice, and I was always sure it would work until I was facing a boy about to hit me. Then I forgot the advice or realized its impracticality. I was especially afraid of Arthur, a red-haired tough, whose very name, which I pronounced Afa, suggested thunder. He terrorized me with his glistening pink water pistol and more with his quick, hard fists. After a beating, I would run home where my mother would kiss the places that hurt and tell me it was all better. That usually worked. Like my father, she encouraged me to fight back, telling me, you're older than Arthur, you're bigger than Arthur. But it didn't matter. I never defended myself, but always scraped through the hedge and rushed home to safety and comfort. My earliest memory is of standing amid a crowd on a curb, trying to watch green men carrying big wooden sticks. Loud music played all down the street, and my parents were watching what was happening, sometimes clapping, clearly excited. I wanted to watch too, but I couldn't see over all the tall people in front of me, so I had to squeeze between their legs for a glimpse of the green men. In the confusion, I became separated from my parents. When my father found me, I was in tears. To let me see better, he lifted me onto his shoulders, but my feet got tangled and the height made me feel disoriented. I cried louder and we went home. My parents told me this event, the marching people, was a parade and that everyone loved parades, but I had no idea what was going on. Years later, I learned it had been an evacuation day parade and that the green men carrying sticks had been soldiers marching with rifles. In Boston, March 17th is celebrated as the anniversary of the withdrawal of the British fleet from Boston Harbor. General Washington's soldiers had lugged cannons from Fort Ticonderoga in Vermont to Dorchester Heights in Massachusetts, from which point they could fire on and destroy His Majesty's ships. History, American and Irish, gets mixed up together in Boston. As I was growing up, history was as present as the weather, 
and as familiar as my own name. We lived in the section of Boston called Dorchester, pronounced Dorchester, on Glenrose Road. Our house belonged to my maternal grandfather, James Kelly, who we called Pop. Upstairs where he lived was a quiet, mysterious place devoid of radios and televisions. Pop, a thin, quiet man, hated them both. But his part of the house was rich in the scent of cigars and cheerful with the light that entered the big windows. Upstairs people read, ate, and gossiped amid the old soft furniture and the sunshine.